and welcome to a Two Up Top special with myself, Gav Mack. You'll be able to see Ed Hall in the middle there and a new face. And you're thinking, who the hell is that? Well, I can tell you right now, it's Landon Cottam and he's from Austin Anthem, the the uh, supporters group for Austin FC, the new franchise that's joining their MLS. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Very good. Surviving, surviving. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited about it. No problem at all. Well, as um, as I mentioned, it's part of Austin Anthem, and it's, it's very different to the way they do it over over there. Well, not necessarily over there, but more in particular with with Austin FC and how well they allow their their big fan base to be a part of their club and part of their success. And oh, I love that. You would never see that. I mean, you look at Arsenal fan TV, and they're absolutely hated by Arsenal <laughs> fans, but loved by everybody else. Change their names, didn't they? To AFTV. <laughs> 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 How sad is that? But you know, in Austin, it's it's all different, and uh, Austin FC will be joining the MLS in the 2021 season. So, um, first of all, Landon, how did it all come around? So, I think part of the reason why we're so involved with everything is because this fan group existed before the team did. Um, the guys who started Austin Anthem at the time, it was it was five or six or seven years ago. And uh, the whole Austin, like Austin rumors started in late 2017, I think. And so this was in 2012, 2013, something like that. A group of guys got together and thought that Austin was a good a good spot for an MLS team and essentially tried to put together a little fan movement to try to get uh, – stir up some interest in the community. And so maybe some business person or some somebody would, would pay attention and say, hey, I think I could put some money behind this and get a team going in, in Austin. And so that existed for several years before the concept of Austin FC even existed. And I think for that reason, um, we've Austin Anthem has been called Austin Anthem for a couple of years now, but it the group itself existed long before that. And so we've been organizing events and doing watch parties and doing charity work and all kinds of stuff really heavily for a year and a half, two years at this point. And so it's, it's just one of those things where we were, we were really excited about it and, and had a lot of things happening well before the club even had any employees. Wow. <laughs> That's absolutely brilliant. Honestly, just like the whole, the whole, the whole thing, just started around and you know i did um i did have a little look on online as you always do do a bit of research and i heard a lot of talk about uh columbus crew and is there was was there potential talk that columbus crew were initially going to move their franchise to austin yeah that was how the whole things like all of the the rumors initially started is um anthony precourt who's the the owner was the owner of columbus crew owner of Austin FC. Um, he wasn't happy with how business was doing in Columbus and was making efforts to try to build a new stadium in the city, uh, things like that, and just wasn't getting anywhere. And so decided he was going to try to move, move the team. Um, so went through the process of doing all that. In the end, uh, it ended up working out really well for everyone. He ended up uh, giving up ownership rights to Columbus Crew, who were bought by some other people there in Ohio. Uh, he was able to come to Austin and start a new team from scratch, essentially. Do you think this could be the start of a, a rivalry between Columbus Crew and Austin FC? Maybe. There's been a lot of talk about that. I think, um, I think they will see us as a rival just because of what almost happened. I honestly think long-term it will fizzle out because like what is the rivalry about at this point like they almost moved here they didn't they still have a team they're gonna get they, they're getting a new stadium essentially all the stuff that pre-court wanted to do in columbus after they realized like oh we're, we could have actually lost this team now they're getting a partly publicly funded new brand new stadium in downtown columbus and so they actually probably came out in really good shape from all of this and so there's no real reason to like going forward for there to be a rivalry, but there still may be, who knows? 
I think it'll come down to how those first couple of matches go between Austin and Columbus. And no, no, if, no. maybe if some, some <laughs> no, no, no shots. <laughs> maybe if Bad some weather. crazy, crazy stuff happens in those first couple of games, then it turns into a rivalry. But uh, barring that, I, I think it'll fizzle out and, and other rivalries will develop. Who would your rivalry, who would your rivalries be based on location? Uh, the other Texas teams, so FC Dallas and Houston Dynamo. Um, Texas teams like to like to have rivalries with each other anyway. I mean, with college football, college sports, the Texas teams have really big rivalries. In uh, NBA, the Texas teams have really big rivalries. So I think that's kind of the natural one. Um, and also because the, the major cities in Texas are so different from one another that mm. there's kind of the, that cultural gulf in between the cities as well so i think those are the obvious ones but people have thrown around um nashville because they're both music cities uh portland because they're both like the weird cities in the u.s but i i think those are a little bit forced maybe but i I don't know there could be some some random ones pop up just because of something that happens in a given match but i think the the obvious ones are going to be dallas and houston yeah, that makes sense. I mean, like, you know, all the other teams that have started off afresh, they've always had this big, big name. You know, we've had Inter uh, Miami come around recently with, with David Beckham, you know, and you guys sort of like, you sort of be coming in you know, off the radar almost, you know, because not many people know about Austin FC, you know, so there's not been a lot, there hasn't been a lot of media coverage, especially this side of the pond about you guys so what are you guys doing and uh, behind the scenes and how do you feel that Austin can compete with with some of the the bigger bigger names out there in the MLS yeah so you mentioned Miami um so with Beckham being part of the ownership there the expectations were always going to be super high and people were arguing they, they got to play two games right they didn't even get a home game but at the beginning of the season, I think the Miami fan base and a lot of just national attention that was on Miami were a little bit uh, underwhelmed with the roster that they had built. Uh, just because, not that it's a bad roster, it's a fine roster, uh, but everyone, every big European player that was, oh, maybe they're going to move, maybe this player is going to go somewhere else, all of them were linked with Miami, every one of them, and they signed none of those people. Even yeah, Ronaldo, 34 I mean, year old Ronaldo. You I can think, still see it, but <laughs> I think like Edison Cavani was one of the big ones that seemed real for a while. Um, but then Suarez, Griezmann, all these people, they were all linked to Miami, and none of those things happened. So I think for the fact that we people didn't know what to expect out of Austin, and so they just didn't really expect anything. Um, and in Columbus and pre-court's time in Columbus, Columbus was always known as kind of um, a budget team. Like they they performed better than what their budget said they should normally. And so I think people were thinking, oh, it's going to kind of be a scrappy team coming in. But some of the the few football signings or the few football moves that the club has actually made have shown that they're they're probably going to be at least somewhat ambitious on the field. So uh, they've signed technical director Claudio Arena, um, yeah. who he's a big a big. I mean, he played in in Europe for some really big teams. Was a huge yeah, name in Sunderland, American soccer. Uh, and then at Rangers, I believe Sunderland. as well. Um, is it Rangers, yeah. But yeah, I mean, he's a really big name. He's already built a team. He uh, was one of NYCFC's first employees and helped build that roster. And so he knows what it looks like to start a new team. And then uh, the head coach, Josh Wolf, um, he's not had a head coaching position yet, but he's one of those guys that everyone knew was going to get a head coach position. And so he's unproven, but has a really high ceiling. What's the process of establishing a team? Sorry. I mean, is there a, is there like a buffer period where you come in, you have to show effectively you're good for your money before they accept you into the league? Is it's there like very, a quality? it's very stringent. I mean, there's of the the handful of teams they've added over the last several years. There's 
three times as many teams who are vying for those spots. And so yeah. the league, the league will kind of have a essentially say like, impress us, show us what you got. And they'll pick the ones that they think are going to be best suited for either market reasons or ownership reasons or whatever, like demographics in the city, whatever it is. Um, they'll pick the ones that they think are most likely to succeed in their model. So uh, there's been some people upset with how that system works. Um, San Antonio is another city in Texas, uh, one of the biggest cities in the country. And they have a second division team at this point, And we're, one of the the short list of favorites to get an MLS team at some point. And now that Austin's getting one, San Antonio feels shortchanged and they're much less likely to get a team at this point, just because they're like an hour, an hour and a half away from us, which um, in American standards is very, very close. That's but the corner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's four pit stops for me. <laughs> <laughs> But, but the, yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of people who don't like the way it's done. But yeah, it's it's essentially MLS says, okay, we've got two spots left. Impress us, and we'll pick the ones who we think are going to do best. I find it weird you say that because you know there's well there is that second tier out in out in America. Not many people know about it. There's not many big clubs in it. I know Joe Cole's got a got a, a stake in. I think it was a Philadelphia Union or something like that. They're, in, they're an MLS team, but um, oh, there's yeah, some other MLS team now. Yeah. There's some the other big big USL tier? teams. Um, the I can't remember. I can't remember uh, Pittsburgh has it. Philadelphia. Pittsburgh but you can't get rele- you can't USL get relegated team. into that division though, can you? No, They're two no. separate teams. So no. a team like Austin to come out of nowhere and so to speak and be inducted into the MLS and there's all these teams that are in the second tier. There must there must be a little bit of hatred towards you guys for that. Yeah, the reason for Austin being picked, like Austin's appeal to the league, like the front office of the league, is that Austin is the largest city in the U.S. that doesn't have a a top flight professional sports team. Mm. So there's cities like Pittsburgh who has four professional teams. All Mm. All these cities who are a little like smaller than Austin who support three, four, five top flight professional sports teams and Austin has zero. We've got a few like minor league things, a few second division things, but there are no uh, like major professional sports teams in this city. And so there there are political reasons for that in Austin. Um, it's not, um, it's not uh, a coincidence that there aren't any in this town yet, but uh, that's Austin's appeal is um, it's a big, exciting market. The demographics of the city are exactly what MLS is looking for. Uh, it's a young city. There's a lot of transplants from all over the country. There's a big uh, Latino population in Austin. So it's on paper, it looks like a really great market for the league. Whereas some of these other places who already do have, have uh, established USL teams, USL is that second division. They have established USL teams, but they don't have these other things that the league is looking for in the, in the markets that they're trying to add to the league. Is football growing out there? Not necessarily just MLS, but is the appeal for playing football and even watching football around the world, whether that be Premier League, Bundesliga or Major League Soccer? Oh, you froze there for a second, Ed, but I think I caught most of the question. Um, It is. It's definitely growing. As far as from a playing perspective um there's been a lot of attention on uh nfl and american football for the the dangers of concussions and the long-term long-term damage that can be done by even just playing a few years of american football and so there's some statistics that have come out over the last few years that show that um american football participation in dropped by something like 10 percentage points or something and soccer participation soccer participation has gone up by the same amount um those if you look at that bar graph football is still american football is still way up here and soccer is still down here but they're getting closer to one for sure and then interest it's it's growing as well um 
again, the, the gulf between it and American football, like NFL, for example, just TV ratings and things like that. It's nowhere close, but it is, it is on the rise for sure. It's a, it's a steady rise. Can you say yeah, I'm matching up? Sorry, Gav. Well, you're saying about the MLS, it's, it's growing more so over here on this side of the pond. You know, Sky Sports have got rights for it. It's a shame that, you know, all this COVID stuff's happening because you're only got, what, like a couple of games into the, the, the 2020 season. But we have pretty much every game live over here and the standard of the game is, is increasing dramatically and it has done over the last sort of like 10 years of getting bigger names come over to or go over to America from here and especially even at a younger age before but it's it's definitely it's definitely moving in in the right direction now yeah you've seen a, a lot of the guys who I think there was kind of this last generation of of people who came over here to to properly retire and didn't didn't really work very hard when they got here. It showed on the field and those players didn't do very well. So uh, Frank Lampard, Steven Gerrard, Andrea Pirlo, these are some of the biggest names in the world game ever. And they came over here and didn't look very good in, in this league. And it's maybe they were a little bit past it. Maybe they weren't working as hard as they needed to be, but you can't just come over here and, and walk through the league anymore, regardless of how good you are, how good you used to be. So the level is definitely rising to uh, a point where you have to come over here and work really hard to, to make an impact in this league. And I think someone like Carlos Vela is, has shown that he's not in that top echelon of, of world players, but he's a very good player. He's played for some really good teams was, I think joint well, leading scorer and yeah, it, Arsenal. And I loved him there. I was devastated when we didn't give him the, the opportunity that I felt that he deserved. Because every time he did play for Arsenal, he looked really good. And but yeah, he's absolutely tearing it up over there. You'll know it. You'll know. You know. You'll know it's changed when the big European hitters are contacting Amer American clubs when they're after their players. At the moment, you're you're not really seeing that. I think I did see it with Carlos Vela briefly because he plays for Los Angeles, doesn't he? Um, mm, yeah. yeah, because they have the two teams now. AFC, but. It's definitely growing. But yeah, until... yeah look, Alfonso Davies joined Bayern Munich. What's it look, look at the impact that he's made. Mm. Um, Almiron, he was a record signing for Newcastle at the time when he did go to Newcastle. And he was turning up over in the MLS. So the, the standard of the MLS is definitely on the rise. And I think it might be the right time for a new franchise to come in, hit the ground running, you know, and... You know, I mean, I'm really intrigued. You know, you've already got our support, by the way. Um, <laughs> I did, I did have a I look online. 2021 champions. <laughs> oh, mate, honestly, <laughs> I, I had a look online. <laughs> I, I'm trying, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get ready for the the 2021 season already. And I saw some kits. Now, kits Landon, gold. I saw kits a beautiful, gold. beautiful black kit with. You know the green added like the three Adidas strikes on one side, three Adidas strikes on Adidas made beautiful kit. So anything you're seeing online concepts. at this point is going to be fan concepts. Yeah. Um, there have been no, there's nothing released from the club. The jerseys do exist already, like the designs exist, but uh, normal people like me have not been able to see them yet. There's training kits available from right though, isn't Yeah, there? they have some yeah. some training kits that they've released. They're they're very basic. They're kind of the the basic Adidas training top that's got like the three black stripes down the side and the logo on the chest, and that's really it. But and you've got the scarf. I've seen the scarf. Yeah, we've there, there's quite a bit of merch available. So knows if if all of this is like the pandemic stuff is going to throw all of this off track but the original plan was for the one kit to be released at the end of this calendar year yeah. and then another one to be released early in 2021 and then um 
yeah, it would be just in time for that season to start. With um, you joining the league in 2021, how how well do teams fare usually when they enter the MLS for the first time? Is it a case of some sometimes they surprise surprise you all and get through to a playoff place, or do they usually get beaten up for a few years before they establish themselves? Most of them get beat up for a few years, but um, there have been teams who have come in and yeah, it is an example of that. LAFC is an example of that. The teams that have come in and been really competitive right off the bat. Uh, there's been some other ones recently who have been pretty poor. Um, Minnesota United was really bad their first season. Cincinnati is a new team that was really bad that first season. And so it it is, I think the thing that we should focus on is it is possible to be competitive in your first season. Yeah. If you do it right, if you plan smartly. I think Austin's well set up to do that just because we've had so long to plan. Um, Minnesota had less than a year to build that team yeah. pretty much. They, they had a, a team there, but they had very little time to get it all put together and build a, a top flight roster. Um, we're looking at, at around two years at this point for yeah. us to, to have that runway up, up to that first game. So um, I, I think we're well positioned to, to be able to be competitive. Uh, it's, it's going to be a challenge. I mean, it's not guaranteed, but We've been given a lot of the a lot of the things you need. I think one of them being time um, to be able to to be competitive in that first in that first season. Okay, so um, what is the situation with traveling to these different clubs? Because the distance is much further in comparison to. Any more. Yes, I think for the most part, away attendance is going to be pretty pretty low at most games. You'll have some of these regional, uh, more regional trips where maybe it's a few hours away driving, and you'll get a lot more away fans at those types of games. But in a game where it's San Jose Earthquakes versus New York Red Bulls, there's <laughs> going to be very few away fans at games like that. And the clubs don't offer any any form of packages. I know you won't know what ha- what situation is with Austin, but you don't yeah. know any other club doing that. I honestly don't know. Um, since we haven't had any away games yet or any games at all yet, so yeah. uh, I I would be surprised if it were an every game thing. But there there may be some of some of those teams. I, I know that like LAFC's fans have been treated quite well by by the front offices as far as getting support on things like that but i don't know the details of what that looks like but i would say for the majority of fan bases on the majority of games it's it's going to be up to the fans to kind of figure it out on their own yeah i get that i mean like it's so annoying like i'm an arsenal fan and i'm thinking i live in northampton which is about 60 miles north of london it's it's an hour on the train yeah, it's like jog. Like jog. For anyone in the MLS, that is, that's, that is like, what, that close? You live that close to the ground. Um, but like, I just think it's it's an all-day event. So what's it like for, for MLS? You know, like I think like if you're playing for, well, you, you sort of alluded to a little bit, like with San Jose going over to New York Red Bulls, you know, I was thinking more like, you know, like LAFC or something going over. It's it's, it's a long way. And, you know, I, I didn't know whether there was, there was sort of like a fan a fans group or whether the club look to sort of like the, the diehard fans and say, right, we'll look after you guys and we'll fly you over or subsidize. travel. Like I said, there may be some of that going on in some cases for certain teams, but I would guess a lot of the teams don't have that. And then maybe some of the, the, the richer teams or the more well-supported teams might have some things like that. I mean, it's gotta be worth worth their time and money right so if there if there's not demand for it anyway maybe they don't waste the time but i know lafc gets really good away attendance even when they go to new york they'll take sometimes up to a few hundred people to these these away games so uh i think atlanta is the same you also get people i mean people in the u.s move around a lot so you'll get people who i lived in this city for a few years and so that's my team i live in new york now 
Um, so maybe they'll go to NYCFC game wearing an Atlanta United jersey because they used to live in Atlanta. I don't, but it's for the most part away attendance is going to be pretty low unless you're talking about some of these more regional games. I think for a lot of people listening, um, that it touch foot that type of attendance is actually quite high considering they're all coming from that location in England. If Liverpool were playing in Derby, most of the away section wouldn't have come down from Merseyside. They would have been from Derby. Yeah. yeah so so they, they do benefit from the popularity of the league. So considering where MLS is at, that's quite it's much higher than I thought. I, it'd be. I'd say well, that, that's on the high end too, right? Yeah, so okay. So if, that's on the high end. If you take maybe some of the, the, the clubs that don't have high attendance anyway, so say it's... You take. I'll pick on San Jose again. But if you have San Jose away, San Jose, it starts here. Earthquakes, Austin game, massively. I'll, I'll pick on it. I'll pick on a Texas team this time. So if we say we have Houston versus uh, San Jose, <laughs> we'll say Houston, New England Revolution. So yeah. neither of those teams draw really big at home anyway and so say houston goes to new england to play the revolution probably the the away fans it's going to be like a handful of of houston jerseys sprinkled throughout the ground and that's going to be the away fans on a game like that so on the low end it's very low um on the high end you can you can get some decent away sections sometimes should we talk about we're going to be lucky enough in um in texas to have at least two teams that we can drive to and make a day trip out of it so dallas dallas's ground is probably uh three to four hours from austin uh and then houston is probably two and a half or three hours so we could make a make a day trip out of it if we wanted to and so that that'll be really cool for away days i think um to be able to take a big group to to these these teams who could potentially be rivals they'll be rivals to to some extent or another just because we're all in texas and so we'll really want to take a big a big group to both of those uh, those teams, and then I'm sure they'll do the same to us whenever whenever they come here. Nice, fantastic. And like Ed, you did just mention, yeah, the stadium. So yeah, yeah. I, want, I want to know more about that because I've seen the concept looks brilliant. Like it looks good. Is it twenty thousand plus? Uh, twenty thousand five hundred is is the plan right now. I think so that's a good basis. That's a good basis, and the design is wicked. Can you tell us it, more about it? Yeah, so it, it, you can. I actually drove past it yesterday, so it's not. For a long time, it was just a design. It, that was all we had—a design and a patch of dirt. But it's—it looks like a stadium now. Um, if you guys, I don't know if you all have looked at this, but if you Google Austin FC construction cam on the Austin FC website, they have a live construction cam, and you can actually watch the the progress. And oh, it's it's that. really. It's really two, like there's two lads with a cup of tea tossing it off. Like, <laughs> 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 we both work in engineering as well, so yeah, exactly. But it's it's not just it looks like a stadium now. I mean, they've they've got the two big like the canopy foils on the top, or uh, like the the structures of them are almost entirely done, and they've started actually putting the canopy cover on one side of it, and so it's it's coming along really well. Um, but the the stadium, I think, is going to be really cool. If if you all have seen uh, LAFC play on TV, the same guy, the, the same guy and the same team that uh, designed that stadium are designing Austin Stadium, and so oh, wow. it's it's not going to be exactly the same, but it's going to have a very similar feel to that one. Well, I've seen it from I've seen it from the outside uh, LAFC Stadium. I was actually on the way to the Coliseum to watch the best NFL game of all time. Shame that mod. <laughs> Just a shame that my team lost that day, the Kansas City Chiefs. But uh, we're Super Bowl. Uh, well, you were 49ers fans, sorry. Uh, how dare you say that? Wash your mouth <laughs> out, I'll be telling all my friends he went and watched wash, the team win. Wash, 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 wash your mouth out, Edward. Um, sorry. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, like the, the, the design of the stadium is, is, is absolutely to die for. And so if you've got the same sort of people that are looking into that, then I can't. I can't wait to see that stadium. It's going to be absolutely incredible. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, do they still have like the big been... event before a game? Do they still have like the big show? You know, like you see it with the NFL. They have like, 
it's like a big party before the game. It's like, do you kind of have that with Major League Soccer? Yeah, um, sorry. Different different cities and different teams will kind of have their own their own culture of that kind of stuff. So like Atlanta has a really big tailgate culture. Um, there's it, like Georgia in general is a big college football state. And so yeah. college football, the culture pretty much anywhere is to tailgate. You go out and you have uh, cookouts and, and drink out in the parking lot before you go into the game. Um, so Atlanta United has a really strong tailgate culture. Uh, other teams, it will be a little bit more European style. Uh, Portland, for example, their stadium's downtown. There's not parking at the stadium, and so tailgating isn't as is much of a thing. So people will go out to bars and restaurants and kind of have a march down the street um, into the stadium. And so it looks different in different cities, and that's one of the things that we are going to have to figure out in Austin. Like, what are what are our traditions? What are our rituals that we do beforehand? And it's kind of hard to know right now just because we haven't been able to try it yet. So it'll be interesting to see how it develops. So weird, isn't it? You know, like, you know, every, you know, I have my own sort of rituals when I go down to watch the Arsenal. Ed, like, you know, he has his own rituals and ideas and things. But this is... I celebrate, he cries. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But (laughs) everything is so fresh. So it's almost, you know what you want to achieve, but it's the little things like that. It's like, what do we do? You know, do we do we start at this boozer first or do we... What? And it's a little bit of a gift and a curse, right? Because we're not operating in a vacuum. Like, we all watch Premier League games. We all watch German games. We watch all these other things. And we know what else exists. And so it's it's kind of difficult to... You might want to say, like, oh, what they're doing there is really cool. Let's copy that. But that might not work here. And it's it might not be the same thing here. And so... I think something that um, American soccer fans are starting to embrace and I think need to embrace more. And I think some of these new newer teams are kind of carrying that flag and driving that forward. But like Atlanta United having a big tailgate culture. If you to talk to certain fans in certain cities, they might say like, oh, that's not real. Like they think doing it the European way is the only way to do it. And so some of these new markets and these new teams are just embracing like, no, we're, we're an American soccer team. We're going to do it our way, the way we like to do it in our city. And so I think that's, that's what we want to try to find here in Austin. But again, we just don't know what it is yet. What, what, what is the surrounding area like around the stadium? The, the immediate surrounding area right now is a bunch of warehouses. And so, um, which partly it's, not as good just because there's not that many interesting things like right around it. But mm-hmm. one of the positives is that because it was a bunch of warehouses, you had a bunch of breweries go out there nice. within the last several years. And so within a mile of the stadium, there's probably six or seven breweries. Nice. And so that's one of the ideas of, of this pregame ritual is like, okay, go to your favorite brewery and we'll have a, a march past each one and pick people up at, at different ones. So that could be a fun idea, but MLS also has a, a, a summer season. And so it gets really hot in Austin. It'll be, uh, I got to get my, um, my Celsius conversions on. That's all right. Like a hundred plus. So like in the mid forties, that's like, like, I was going to say, that's like, yeah, 38 plus 38 to 45. That's, yeah. that's, that's hot. So I can imagine a lot of your games will be evening games. I mean, some of them, but some of them it'll be like, we'll be up to the mercy of the TV schedule, right? So mm. um, those days we play at noon or one or whatever it is, probably marching a mile doesn't sound like a very good idea on those days. So again, we'll, we'll have to play with it and I'm sure there'll be some growing pains and we'll we'll do some things that stick and some things that don't. But yeah, we'll just kind of have to, to figure it out as we go. Talk to us about the badge because the badge, you know, it's obviously it's new and it's got a lot of meaning behind it. Yeah. So I do the, um, the Austin Anthem podcast. And so we, we cover Austin FC news and actually the episode that I'm going to release tomorrow is, uh, so we're, this is on, uh, it's going to release Monday, May, whatever. Um, we actually interviewed the, the design the designers who did the badge and all the branding for the club. Excellent. And so uh, I think a lot of people, and you guys can tell me this, when you saw it, did you think like, oh, that doesn't seem right for a team in Texas? Or did it did it seem natural to you? Gov? 
I, I liked the badge, but from a UK's point of view and someone who's never been to Texas, I was thinking, Texas is a lot of desert here, isn't it? So what's with the tree? I didn't get it. Well, I've, 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 I, I, I grew up watching um, a company called Rooster Safe growing up. So I had a lot. Of, oh, yeah. Yeah. So I've since I was about 10, um, I've always looked to Austin because constant stories of the place. So I had an idea of what it looked like. So to me, it made sense. But when I say that to other people, I want to go to Austin. Um, they go, what do you mean? There's nothing there. It's just a desert. Because that's how it's portrayed in like <laughs> cartoons or films. That's what it is. But no. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there are parts of Texas that are deserts and there's parts that are forests. And there's, I, I'm from like a, like the plains area, they call it. And it's just really flat with like grass, essentially. Uh, but you have to remember that Texas is bigger than Spain. And so yeah. <laughs> the the diversity in landscape is is quite quite wide. And so Austin is actually it's it's really hot here, but it's actually quite green in the spring. Uh, lots of wildflowers, lots of trees. We have a river that runs through the middle of the city. And so it's it's not the stereotypical Texas that you see. And so in the badge, the Austin FC badge is two live oaks that have like kind of wrapped around each other. And so the inspiration from that and um, Adam Butler, one of the the design team that, that designed this logo, tells this story on, on the podcast that we recorded the other day, that the inspiration is this tree called the Treaty Oak. Mm -hmm. And it's really big historical significance for Texas history. And But it's this tree that's, they think, like 500 years old. And so in the 80s, someone poisoned it. Um, they poured some poison onto the tree and the tree almost died. And one of the things that they did to try to save it was plant another tree at the base of it. And so that tree is now growing up into it and is going to help support that tree and keep it alive. And so that's kind of what the the significance of, of those two trees, you'll see, it looks like one tree, but it's really two trees kind of wrapped around each other in that, in that badge. And so they wanted to have something that I mean, Austin is known for music. Austin is known for lots of things, but there's no one of those things that would truly represent or feel representative to all of Austin. And so maybe to to this 28-year-old guy, kind of like a, the, the stereotypical Austin hipster, maybe doing one type of thing would feel really like Austin to him. But maybe to some of the, the Latino populations on the east side of Austin, maybe they're like, oh, I don't even know what that is. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. These trees are something that exists all over the city. These live oak trees is what they're called. Um, they're everywhere and, and they're beautiful. And they're one of my, my favorite things to, like when I moved to Austin, I'm from a different part of Texas that doesn't have any trees. And so whenever I came to Austin, I was... I fell in love with these trees. And so whenever they released that badge and that was the inspiration for it, I, I fell in love with it. That's wicked, man. That's awesome. I love that. No, it's, 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 it's that's absolutely brilliant. Big fan. Right. Um, it's, um, you know, the world is put on hold at the moment with, with COVID and Corona and everything like that. You're due to join the league in 2021, but the MLS season so far hasn't really started so to speak it was only had like two, two games, three games has not it um, uh, yeah beforehand so um what as from a fan's point of view what would you rather would you rather the mls season is null and void and then you can just crack on with 2021 or do you want to see the mls restart and and try and come to an end before the end of this calendar year um, I, w I would like to see some games this year. I mean, just, I mean, as of right now, until we have a team, I'm a neutral and I just want to see some soccer being played. Right. So, um, and I've gotten more and more into MLS over the last few years. And so I, I would call myself a, a pretty big MLS fan now and was pretty invested and excited about this season. So to have it cut short after two games uh, was, was pretty devastating. And so, uh, I would love to see any games being played. And there's there's been some ideas tossed around just like there have been over in England. Um, neutral sites or maybe doing just like a big tournament at some point later in the year. I think that's all going to look... And, and Don Garber, the commissioner of MLS, has said this, that it's going to depend on when we can play again. Uh, it'll most likely be with no fans in the stadium. But um, just depending on how much time we have left between when we're able to play again and when that next season starts... 
it'll either be maybe they'll if it's it ends up being a long time they'll play as many games as they can if it's a short time maybe they'll cram it all into just a short tournament structure or something like that mm. you you said you run um the podcast for the austin anthem you also said you have a, a large latino fan base i had a look on the website which you published the podcast on and there seemed to be two separate podcasts um, yeah we're, we're about yeah. to split that feed but we have a spanish language podcast as well and so uh and they they keep up pretty well with on downloads um with with what we do on the english one so we're about to split that off and they're going to have their own separate feed as of right now we've been sharing that feed and it's it's gone really well but um yeah we we've been looking around there's not a lot of them there's some youtube streams and things like that for spanish language stuff going on in mls but um as far as podcasts go there's maybe one or two others that exist in mls anyway do you speak any spanish i do yeah i lived in i lived in spain for three years and my spanish is quite well so i've actually been a guest on the spanish language podcast a few times uh as long as i don't have to like lead things and be the main like the main presenter in that then i can do okay but um yeah i, I leave it to the, the guys who do do it are all are all native speakers and so i let them let them do it i'm so british like that i can ask for a beer maybe two <laughs> two beers. Dos por favor. gracias mr international so <laughs> going going forwards um what sort of are you are you sort of like looking locally for players? Are you looking to attract names from abroad? Are you looking for new talent? You know what's the what's the idea of the of the setup for for Austin FC in the first year or two? I, I think it's going to be all of the above. Um, I listened to an interview with with Claudio Reyna, our technical director, just the other day that he did with ESPN, and he he's done this. He said this same thing in a lot of interviews, but. Um, I mentioned this before that he was the the general manager, technical director, whatever you want to call it, the sport like the sporting director essentially for NYCFC when they started their team. And he's compared and contrasted what he did there versus what he's going to try to do here. I think being in New York, he felt like he it was necessary to sign a really big name. Mm -hmm. And so they in those first couple of seasons, you saw uh, Frank Lampard, Andrea Pirlo, David Villa all come in in those first few years. And he's, he said that he, he doesn't think that's necessary here, that being the only major league sports team in town, there's going to be attention paid to it. We've already, they've only taken deposits so far for most of the stadium and have sold through all of like the premium seating, but demand is very high. So those first couple of seasons, we they, like Austin doesn't need to be sold on this by bringing in a famous player they have our attention already. So I kind of think what they're going to do is go less the, the, like the old MLS model of, of bringing in one really famous player. That's maybe not the best player on the field, but he's going to do well from a business perspective mm -hmm. and maybe lean into the Atlanta United model where maybe bring in one or two of these, these bigger names, but the, build the core of the team around some younger players that will have some sell on value uh, mm -hmm. later on. So I know they've been doing some scouting in South America and in European leagues and all over the world really. But I think the main core initially will be built out from uh, within MLS. There's some structures in place in MLS where new teams essentially get to get to pick some players off of the other teams oh, okay. to add to their roster. So each team will get to protect um, X number of players on their roster. And then they'll kind of go in a, like a round Robin draft style and get to pick one player off of uh, a certain number of teams to be on our roster. And so there's, there's some mechanisms within the league that makes it just um, the smarter move to kind of build somewhat of your core from within the league. But then outside of that, I think they're going to come from everywhere. I, I will get some players from Europe. We'll get players from South America, from Mexico, probably that's been a trend over the last few years is mm -hmm. players from Liga and Mekis coming over to MLS. So I think it's going to be all of the above. We'll have, we'll have all types. One thing I was wondering is you said you want to, you're looking at South America or you'd hope they're looking at around South America. The, is it the CONCAF champions league you have mm -hmm. over in America? 
How is that looked upon? Because obviously in Europe, the European Champions League is the pinnacle of what each of these leagues is. It's where you want to be. It's what you want to win. How is it seen out there, um, the North American um, equivalent? I think here in the US, it depends on how far an MLS team has gotten that year. But uh, essentially, it's always MLS and Liga MX teams in the later rounds. And a Mexican team always wins it. Always. And so, what's, what's, you say that because like there's um, wasn't there an MLS side that joined the Copa Libertadores? Um, did I, did not, I see that right? I might be lying. <laughs> no, I think I Mexican team Mexican teams have played in it before. I think. Um, I mean, if if that happened, it hasn't been recently. Mm. And would would that would you reckon that would build the brand of American teams higher actually if they were to join the Copa rather than I think the, I mean we need game. to be able to compete in those tournaments first because if we go and flame out in the first round it doesn't matter and right now like the gulf in in spending even just within Concacaf Champions League like I said Mexican teams always win it they spend the most and so. MLS has this structure called designated players. It's like these three players you can pay as much as you want. The rest of the players have to adhere to a very strict salary limit. It's like a salary cap. Mm. Mexican teams don't have that. And so if you're looking at like the amount of money that uh, that the MLS team, like one roster for, from MLS makes, there might be three guys who make a lot of money and the rest of the team doesn't make much money at all. Yeah. The the Mexican team will have 12 players that make the same amount as the top paid player mm. on the American team. Yeah, and yeah. so MLS needs to expand their spending. And it's not because the money is not there. MLS restricts this because we've had several leagues in the past uh, pop up and then die because the the financial stability wasn't there. MLS is a very like very structured business model. And so they've been increasing this these spending limits every year but it's we're still not anywhere close to what mexico spends on players and so until we get to that point we're not going to compete regularly in those tournaments and so i, d I don't want to see it expanded to that until we can actually compete in those things yeah of course so i gotta wait a little bit of time before we um we see austin fc in the world club cup then <laughs> yeah. yeah you don't see much mexican football do you so it's quite surprising to see I did know that no American team had won it before. Like, um, but they so they they've won the the previous iteration of it is it had yeah. a different name. Um, so an American team has won it way back in the day, but it was a very different. It was like a weekend tournament. Like you played, it was like eight teams, and they all played a few games over the span of a week or so. Uh, but in the current, like, kind of like the Champions League model that we have, it yeah, an American team hasn't won it. No, gotten close, the, gotten close a couple of times, but not, not haven't won it. Well, um, to let you know, Landon, all of us already that we will be doing an an MLS show as and when the MLS returns as two up top, but we have automatically adopted Austin FC. Austin till I die. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're, honestly, we we're so. San Jose, the idea of it. I almost made a swear just then, but um, but yeah, we we are all behind you uh, as part of Two Up Top, and as and when those shirts do come out, we will be uh, partaking in in a purchase of those. And every MLS show, screw the other teams. We are. <laughs> <laughs> I want to. I want to come to the first game. I'm going to make it my mission. Mate, I don't think we're going to be able to get a ticket for that. Of course we will. Even if we will. I, to London I really know a guy nicely. on the inside. I know a guy on the inside. <laughs> that first game is, is, the, is truly going to be a sellout. It's going to be an absolute sellout. There's 20,500 fans. 25,490 of those are going to be Austin FC fans. You know, <laughs> I can't see how we'll actually be able to get in the door, but we'll, we'll try and I'll make something then. happen for sure. We'll try and jersey. Um, Austin, I have got your, um, not Austin, <laughs> London. I've got your Austin 
uh, social media links, which I've just put in at the bottom of the screen. So that's um, your the, the Twitter page, and um, we've got you on, on on the old Instagram. That's uh, we know there's a lot of love on your Instagram page. You've got plenty of followers already, which I think is absolutely brilliant. And um, yeah, we're really looking forward to having you as part of the Top family when we do. Uh, speak about your uh, speak about what's going on in the MLS. What we'll do, if it's right with you, Landon, we'll catch up again in in, in a couple of months' time to see the progress of Austin FC, and um, hopefully football's back on, and uh, we'll be able to see how you're getting on. Yeah, I'd love that. That would be great. Fantastic stuff. Brilliant stuff. And when the season starts, we'll be we'll be regularly checking in on Austin uh, and their progress to to see what what the crack is there. And that shirt, honestly. I know it's a fans made shirt, <laughs> but you know, have a word with someone on the inside. That needs to be the one. I have I'll buy it now. This is the guy <laughs> who wears the Arsenal banana shirt on a regular basis. Yeah, with, with, with the matching mug. Uh, yeah, I exactly. love that. I love yeah. that kit. That was great. <laughs> exactly. Fruit banana. Thank you very much. <laughs> right then, guys. Uh, thank you very much for watching to up top. It's been myself, Gav Mac, Ed Hall in the middle. And Landon Cottom in the middle, uh, in the end, sorry. Uh, any questions? Sounds, crazy, like, a, sounds like a sitcom. Any, uh, any, any <laughs> questions, Chris, you want to add or learn a little bit more about Austin FC, make sure you follow those social media links and, you know, get get involved with, with the movement, especially you guys over here in the UK. Let's, let's, let's really push Austin FC to the next level. But for me and the boys, thank you and goodbye.